In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. It is good to be back among you, brothers and sisters, in the Lord after many travels, though my here for both the next following weekends, my travels are not done. But I look forward to being back and settled again among you throughout the weeks. Today we've come to a reading that follows just after Christ has given the Beatitudes, which we have heard sung very beautifully and we hear sung almost every Sunday here in this community. The Beatitudes of our Lord, His teaching of what it is to become a Christian. This is what the Beatitudes are. What follows that and where this reading has picked up and talking about telling us that we are the light of the world skips over one other verse that I want to focus on today because it's very, very important in the fathers when they comment on this, this passage that you are the salt of the world or the salt of the earth and its light. Both those things are mentioned in Christ as this, by Christ, as an analogy of what it is to live the Beatitudes, to be salt and to be light. This is what Christians are called to be. Both flavorful salt, and the light of the world. What Christ assumes in this is that both these things have an effect on all humanity, and even more than that, all of the world, all of creation. There is a unity that is taught and assumed within this analogy that Christ is giving to his disciples, and that includes all of us, a universal benefit for those Christians, those disciples, those believers of Christ give a universal benefit to all things. Not all are believers, but all will benefit by the presence of believers. This is what it means to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. This is what's assumed. To be salt and light for Christians is a benefit for the entire creation. These analogies have their own teaching um, that, that, uh, toward what the Christian life is like. That we have a strong purpose in the world as Christians. Not every Christian in all places is a powerful salt or a strong light, but the presence of Orthodox Christians does affect a whole region, a whole city. The whole body politic of the earth is affected by just a few faithful Christians that become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That whole earth just by a small amount of saltiness when we follow Christ, and the light of a holy life shining illumines even the unbeliever to some degree. As our Lord says, a light on a hill cannot be hid. Today, in the Orthodox Church, we are commemorating a group of hierarchs. In some traditions, it's for all of the ecumenical councils, in our own Antiochian tradition, it's just for the Fourth Ecumenical Council. But the reading is the same nonetheless, that we are commemorating hierarchs who have become the salt and light of the, of the earth. And this is why we have this teaching, that it is always hierarchs and teachers that disseminate and are the salt first, and then they give this light out into the world to guide people through the darkness toward the light by becoming that light themselves. But what I want to focus on is this teaching of St. John Chrysostom when he looks at this passage. He is emphatically says that first we need to become salt before we can become light. We need to be 
of the substance of salt, what that means, and we'll dig into that, before we can be a light to the world. And then when we are salt, we become light in some mystical manner. St. John Chrysostom says this, one ought, having first set oneself right, so to proceed also to the care of the rest. For on account he himself, Jesus Christ, has set the doing before the teaching. Since he who cannot teach himself, yet attempts to set others right, will have many to ridicule him. Or rather, such a one will have no power to teach at all, his actions uttering their voice against him. But if he is complete in both respects, in teaching, in doing, and in teaching, our Lord says, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This is what St. John Chrysostom is teaching us, that we first need to be salt, and then we'll become light, by these two analogies. So what is it? What is salt? What properties does salt have? Why is Christ giving us this? Salt has three major uses and purposes. It preserves things for later use. It flavors things that may be bland otherwise. And it cleanses and purifies a substance. And all three of these things are what Christ is calling us to be, to be a preservation of the world, a flavor to it by following him, and to be purified and made new. Many of the fathers say that salt here is the mind that apprehends the apostolic word of the gospel. It is the mind that makes heavenly wisdom its own. And when that happens, you become a flavorful salt. But we all don't begin that way. We all begin with the loss of taste, as many, many, many of the fathers say. We all begin as a tasteless substance, adding nothing to the world, adding nothing for ourselves. All of human nature has lost its taste, having become rotten through sin, says St. John Chrysostom. If we lose our taste, if we have never had it, then we quickly fall and chase after heresies, or we fall into unbelief so easily, and at the very least, we are unable to flavor the world with what it is that God is calling the world to become. With, we are unable to give the flavor of the apostolic life to the world. That is, the flavor of Christ. We are unable to give his wisdom, and rather we fall into the folly of worldly thinking about things, and we are unable to help people within their souls and in their spirits. But we are given something that renews us. And this is holy baptism. And this is holy confession. This is what renews us to be the flavor of the world. The miracle of baptism restores the purpose of humanity. Those three things that we talked about. We regain our saltiness, if you will, by holy baptism. And when we fall and we begin to lose our flavor by not following Christ, we have holy confession to renew that. When we come, make an honest confession, and are truly desiring to again leave those things behind, perhaps we may fall again, but we desire to continue going. Then continue following Christ and continue going that way. Then the saltiness is restored. That thing that God is saying, and St. John Chrysostom is emphasizing, needs to happen first, is able to happen. We 
are able to then preserve and care for the world properly as God's gift to us. We are able and given that characteristic that is the mind that is able to worship God in knowledge and in truth. We flavor the world by our own restored and being restored humanity. The rest of creation does not have this ability to be salt, to be and have the knowledge and truth and apprehend it. At best, animals follow their animal instincts and things follow their physical laws. But the beauty of a human nature that is being restored and becoming the salt of the earth as Christ is calling us to do is that it is in our nature that though we are broken, we can apprehend the truth and the knowledge of God and relate to our Creator. Not blindly, but in knowledge and in truth. This is what it means to become salt. And in that, how do we do that? How do we follow Christ in knowledge and in truth? It is in that last property of salt that the ancient used so often to be purified, to come to the world as ones who are purified and being purified, and we are then able to make a better offering to God of the things of the world, our very selves, and in the bread and wine, and in the many other things that we offer to God in the church. This is what it means to become a salt full of flavor and not fall under to the condemnation of what Christ says happens to salt that has lost its flavor. It's no good, only good to be trampled on the ground like for the roadway. But the Christian life and the law of God that is given to us restores us and purifies us to become that salt. Chrysostom highlights in his commentaries on this passage the phrase of the earth or of the world. And what he means by this, and what he says in many, many words, and hopefully we'll be able to condense it today, is that this call by Christ is a universal, a Catholic need of human nature and of all the world. It is a nature, what Christ is saying needs to happen is that human nature becomes restored and all people need this. There is no nation that is accepted from this need. There is no person or small group is not in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of human nature needs to have the healing power of the gospel, the salt that cleanses. And all the world needs humanity to be healed, to be restored. So first, us human beings need to be healed, and then the rest of creation can follow, where we can learn to be good stewards. Chrysostom in his careful reading of this, and telling us that we need to first become salt before we can become light, says that we need, as Christians, to live actually as Christians. And that is to follow the Beatitudes that had just followed this passage. To preserve the world, to cleanse it by cleansing our sins, and to flavor it with the wisdom and action of God, that is, to be salt. We become truly salt, full of taste, by following God's ways by following his commandments and chiefly the greatest commandment that Christ has given us to love one another as Christ has loved you that's the greatest commandment then when we are able to love others as Christ has loved us then we can become light 
This is why Christ and what we heard today in the Gospel says, who shall ever do and teach them shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. We do well first to follow the commands of Christ and become salt. But we must also do the second. All Christians are called in some way to teach and become light, raised up and not hidden, so that others may follow the same path of Christ's eternal kingdom. How do we do this? We've said before, by following the Beatitudes. We must be poor in spirit. We must mourn for our sins and the sins of the world. We must be meek. We must hunger and thirst for righteousness. We need to give mercy. We need to have pure hearts. We need to make peace where peace does not exist. We must accept persecution and insults for the things of God. And when we do these things, then we can be the lamp that is raised up. For these things are none other than what Christ did as he ascended the cross. When we are one with him at the cross, then we are like the lamp that is raised up and not hidden. Christ with his arms outstretched for all to see. Then the light of the world and us participating in it is able to happen. Not as ones doing or being good for some sort of reward and congratulations, some sort of pat on the back as we all are very motivated sometimes to do, but to be close to Christ in all ways. This is the only way that we're able to become the light of the world. We must follow Christ. Then we avoid that vainglory and pride that robs those otherwise good actions and good things, which cause so many other good things to be twisted into evil ends. When pride is sown in with good, the pride and the vainglory will twist it to a, not a beneficial gospel-giving way. But what is light? We began with the properties of salt, but God also calls us to become light. What is it? It's always visible. We can see it at a great, great distance even when we are ourselves surrounded in darkness and can't perhaps even see our hand right in front of us. When it is raised up on high, it becomes a guide for travelers. On my travels, just this time, my family went into uh, a cavern. And one of the tenets of a cavern, something that needs to be not a cave but a cavern, is that when you get into a section of it, there needs to be a portion deep enough that when there is no external light, you are in complete darkness. Darkness for which your eyes can never adjust. Where you can have your hand centimeters or millimeters from your eyeball and you won't know that it's there by sight at all. This kind of darkness may be present, but when there is a small flicker of a candle of light, our eyes immediately adjust and we are drawn toward that light. This is part of human nature, that how God has created us. Even if it's a weak light, we are drawn toward it, and we know and are given hope by it. But Christ warns us that we can, when we become light, sometimes forget to raise it up, and we cover it with a bucket or a bushel, a covering that smothers all of these properties and hinders it. Theodore of Mopsietsia says that a bucket is designed 
to receive and to hide something. It is designed to be filled with something that you don't know until you see it. But light is the opposite of it. It is meant not to contain, but to reveal and to be raised up and to give. This is what light does. So when Christ says you are to be a light of the world and as a city set up on a hill raised up, light here is the truth that is refracted in each and every one of us. The light of truth of God that is sparked and illuminated within us. Then we become disciples truly of Jesus Christ and others are able to follow that light and be given hope. The lamp raised up is none other than the body of Christ on the cross. And the virtues that we gain when we follow the Beatitudes are nothing but that refracted, refracted light. Light given out to other people, to the world, through us, by Christ. The light raised up is those ministries that we have to the believers and the unbelievers. Those are the lights to the world. And when we are purified believers and given giving out these ministries, this light of Christ, then we can be both salt and we can give light. So the cross shows us the way. When we follow Christ with humility and preserve that humility by giving the glory to Jesus Christ, we become the light of the world. Blessed Theophilact has this to say and this to point out, that Christ did not say you must display your virtue, for that is not good, but rather, he said only, let your light shine, so that even your enemies will marvel and glorify not you, but your Father who is in heaven. If we practice virtue, we must practice it for the glory of God and not for our own glory. We are preserved if we follow Christ to the cross, because that is the humble way. We must be raised up with him on the cross and follow his commands. And if we are ridiculed, we are insulted, we are persecuted for those things, then we know that we have found Christ's humble way and his humble journey to Golgotha. That light of Christ on the cross raised up is that city on a hill raised up that cannot be hid and illumines all. So my brothers and sisters, go forth and become salt of the earth by living out the commandments that Christ has given us. Then you will give flavor to the world in its utter blandness of sin. You will preserve it and cleanse it by cleansing yourselves and preserving yourselves for him. Then you will also become a light to which others may be guided to God and into his kingdom. O our Lord Jesus Christ and God, preserve us, purify us, fill us with the savor of your grace that we may follow all your commandments to become the people you willed us to be. Grant us to ever fulfill your gospel commands and to become salt and light for the entire world, that the light of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit may illumine us in behalf of all and for all creation. Amen. <laughs>